Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. We're going to open scripture with Numbers 14, 20 uh, through 25. Numbers 14, uh, verse 20 through 25. Now, before I uh, read the scripture, I want to give you all some context where we pick up. And so we all know the story of the Israelites, you know, when God took them out of Egypt uh, you know, God split the Red Sea, he saved him, and he's leading him to the promised land. And so he, he, he just had led him through, uh, out of Egypt, he led him through the Red Sea, and they're almost towards the land where they have been promised from God, saying that God, who, the land that God promised their ancestors to have. So they get to this land, and at this time it was known as Canaan, and the thing about the promised land is that it was already occupied uh, by different clans, different nations, so they get to Canaan, and they're instructed by Moses, who was instructed by God. And Moses says, hey, we just got to the place where God has promised us, but it's occupied. I want you to go, and I want you to scout um, the area. I want you to scout the inhabitants. For 40 days, I want you to go. And it says he, tw- he sent 12 spies, um, each from a different tribe, to go and to uh, stake out the area. And so these 12 different guys went out there, and they staked out for 40 days looking at the people looking at the surrounding area, looking at all these different aspects of it. And then when they came back, all they had, or 10 of them came back, and all they had was bad things to say. They were like, yeah, it, it, all the people in Canaan, they're giants, and their cities are huge, and they're fortified. Like, there's no way that they outnumber us. There's no way that we can possibly conquer this land. I mean, we're outnumbered. We're outgunned. Um, they, they, their um, cities are so fortified. There's no way we can penetrate them. And so 10 spies says that. And then there was these two spies who was with them who, who had the same opposite story of them. They said, hey, I know there's a lot of people and it doesn't look good, but I think we can do this. And so um, we'll talk about more of what they talk about later. Uh, but this is what they pick up after this. And this is what God says to uh, Moses after he hears reports of the Israelites not having faith in him about this moment. So in verse 20, the Lord says, I will pardon them as you have requested. You see, the Lord was so upset with the Israelites for not having faith in them. He said, hey, look, these guys don't believe uh, that, you know, I can work through them and that they don't believe that I will be on their behalf. They don't believe that we will conquer them. You know what? Let's just do away with them. Let's just do away with this generation of, of uh, Israelites, of Hebrews, and let's just start new. But then Moses responded, said, hey, no, let's not do that. Let's show mercy. And so this is what the Lord said in verse 20. He said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surly as I live, and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and miraculous signs I performed, both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others. He has remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Uh, and then he said, now turn around. Don't go on towards the land where the Amalekites and Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. In the direction of the Red Sea. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message, Prolonged Promises. Prolonged Promises. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you are speaking through me from your spirit, God. 
I thank you, Father, that there is open minds, soft hearts in this place, that even if this message, even if this message is just for one person, that is worth it, God. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is going to inhabit in this place, that we're going to have our, our spiritual ears open to you, Father. Um, I thank you, God, for everything that's going to take place. I call it sealed. I call it done. I thank you, Father, just what a great, great night um, we are going to have together. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. So, if y'all didn't know this about me, I used to play uh, football in high school and middle school. And uh, so, uh, you know, I started in seventh grade. I played, I played up to, like, my junior year. And so this was my second year of football. I'm in eighth grade, and I'm going to uh, Quirrell Middle School. And uh, I played wide receiver, and I played safety. And there was this guy on our team. He was our running back, and this guy, he was a stud. Like, he was a stud running back. He was, like, the biggest guy on the team. He was the fastest guy on the team. Like, our whole game plan was to give this guy the ball and let him run around. Like, that was our whole game plan. And we would just sit back and just watch him, you know, run around everywhere. And, like, and we would win every game just giving him the ball. Like, this guy, like, I don't know what his parents fed him, but he was big for his age. Like, eighth grade, like, I don't know what they did. Um, but he was, like, the fastest guy. He was the biggest guy. And I remember always thinking, like, I'm so glad this guy's on our team because I would hate to go against him. Uh, but... There were times in practice, right, when we competed against each other that I had to go against him. And let me tell you, those were fateful days when I saw this guy running at me. This guy was a huge, like, he was six foot. I, like, I, 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 I think that they lied on his birth certificate. This guy looked like he was 20, and he's in eighth grade, and I'm like, you know, 110 pounds, staying this 200-pound guy's way. Um, so, but I played safety. And the thing about um, when you played the position of safety, right, is that you're always the last resort. Right, you're you're the la you're the people in the in the last line of defense. Like if if the running back gets past the linemen and then he gets past the linebackers, all that's left are the safeties. And so your 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 job is really to just to stay there. Like you're you're not supposed to go up front because you know you're your last line of defense. You're supposed to stay there, make sure everybody does their job. And if they don't, you're there for backup. Um, but the thing is, um, as a safety, is that usually if the running back gets past the linemen and the linebackers, he's coming at you full speed. I mean, like full speed. So anytime I would play practice and our star running back was on the other side, I was always like, oh, God, oh God please let them tackle him before they get to me. Because, like, I'm like, this guy's twice my size. Like, he's huge. Like, nobody, like, tackling him. And so, of course, he would get through the line because he was that good. And so every time he would get through the line, he's coming to me. I was like, God, please just don't let me, like, let me live through this. So I, I wouldn't, what I would do is that I would try to avoid the hit, right, so I wouldn't get hurt. So, you know, if you ever played football, you know there's a difference between going up and hitting somebody and then there's a difference between just trying to avoid them. You know, so basically what I, what I did the first couple times is I, I just tried to catch him. You know, I didn't try to hit him because I, I thought I would get hurt. So I'm just, like, trying to catch him, hoping for, you know, a miracle to happen. Um, and I did that the first couple times, and, of course, he just runs through me. I mean, runs through me, and I'm just, like, flattened on the ground. I'm, like, praying to God that, you know, I don't have broken bones or anything. And so I did that back-to-back -back plays because, you know, uh, he kept on getting through the line. He's just a really good running back. And so my coach grabbed me after the second time of me, like, basically being scared. It's like trying to, like, catch him. He said, he said, Caleb, he said, if you keep on trying to avoid a hit, you're just going to get yourself hurt. He said, next time he comes at you, I want you to give your all. I said, okay, man. I was like, no promises if anything good's going to happen. And so, you know, next time he got through the line, a few plays later, I'm saying, you know what, I'm getting hurt anyways. You know, I might as well go all out. So, you know, I, I, you know, I dove at his legs, tried to do like a good go for his lower body, tried to tackle him. And before, and before I knew it, I tackled the star running back. And he like put down, I was like so proud of myself. 
I thought I could do that every time, but he learned just to jump over me. So, but um, uh, but what I learned, what that story reminded me of, is that story reminded me of what the Israelites just went through, uh, because God is telling them, say, hey, I have a promise ahead of you. I know it looks like a tough situation, but if you just trust me and go your all, you're going to claim that promised land. But what did the Israelites do? They, they tried to avoid a tough situation, and by avoiding that tough situation, they made their situation even tougher. Because what, what we'll read about is that God said, hey, you were scouting that land for 40 days, and you came back, and you had no faith in me. So because of that, I'm going to send you out to the wilderness for 40 years. And so they tried to avoid this tough situation because they, they saw these giants. They saw all these things that they said, there's no way we can overcome them. But because they avoided this tough situation, they made their situation even tougher. But the, the scripture that really inspired tonight's talk is what, what God said in verse 14 or verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 24, when he said, but my servant Caleb, I know my name's Caleb, but it's coincidence, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others. He has remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him in the, into the land he explored. Notice he said, my servant Caleb has a different what? Attitude than the others. Added, attitude than the others. And let me believe, maybe there's some promises that are ahead of us that we will never step into until we change our attitude. Right? It didn't say that, you know, because Caleb was stronger or that he knew the most. He said, hey, you know what? All this guy had was the correct attitude. That's why he stepped in to his promises. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is that maybe that, maybe it's not what's, it's, maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's not her fault. Maybe it's not your boss's fault. Maybe it's not the, the things around you. Maybe it's the things on the inside of you that is keeping you away from the promises of God. Right? There are some promises in your life, right? I believe there are some promises in our life that are on standby waiting for us to change our attitude. Because who knows that God won't give us something knowing that we don't have the right motives. God's not going to give us something knowing that we have a, a sour outlook or we, have a, we don't have the, uh, a bad heart about it, right? What, what, is, what is this? That God says he looks at our heart, right? That's what he cares about, all right? So there are some things, some promises in your life that are waiting until we change our attitude for him to come to fruition. Because I think that there are some problems in our life that are attitude activated. They're attitude activated. So tonight we're going to not look on the outwards, not going to look on what's on the outside. What, what tonight we're going to do is that we're going to take some self-awareness checks, right? We're going to take some self-reflection checks, and we're going to look on the inside. Because if there's one thing I know that the, the enemy would love for us to do, because he knows it's that if we never consider what's going on, on the on the inside, we'll never change what's on the outside. If we never consider and take a look at what our inside atmosphere looks like, we'll never change our outside condition. The enemy knows that. So what we're going to do tonight is that we're going to take a look on the inside. We're going to take a look on, what, on, on, on the inside. And we're going to take a look at things that causes to put a pause on our promises, right? The, the message is prolonged promises, right? And I, and I thought of that title because the Israelites could have stepped in wherever they wanted to, right? The promise was ready, but they prolonged it because of their attitude, right? So we're going to take a look at some things that affect our promises that put them on a pause. Because the enemy, right, the enemy can't steal our promises. He can't. He, he can't take away what God has given you. But he can put, he can prolong them. He can't prolong those promises to a point that you give up on your own dreams, 
to the point where you give up on your own promise, to, to the point where you don't even think God is capable of doing the things that he told you he would do. So what tonight is about is that past promises are going to be activated tonight. I want dormant dreams to be activated tonight. I want some forgotten futures, some things that you thought about but you put to aside to be re, to be relooked at tonight. I want to activate some old things tonight to touch your neighbor and say things change tonight. Things change tonight. Uh, so let's look at scripture in Numbers 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 27 through 31, and, and it's going to lead us to our first point. And it, and it reads this again. This is uh, this is the spies' report of what Canaan looked like. This is what they reported to Moses. Verse 27 says, this was the report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The the Amalekites live in Negev. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And he said, let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. He said, they said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And so that leads us to our first question of self-reflection, which is what do you believe? What do you believe? See, there, there is always going to be people telling you what they believe about you. You're always going to have people telling you about what they think your future looks like or what they think your best place looks like or, or what's wrong with you or what they believe you should do. But a question that, that the first thing that we should ask ourselves is, okay, I hear all that, but, but what do I believe, right? What do I believe? Because who knows that that was two different beliefs that we just read. We just read that some of those Israelites believed that those giants were too big. Right, those cities, those cities were too fortified. Right, that they were too outnumbered to conquer them. Right, they, that those ten other spies, they believed that. But they said, Caleb said, "Hey, I hear all these things, but you know what? I believe we're able. Right? I believe that God's able. I believe that we can conquer that land." And you know, see, we we have to find out. Hey, what do I believe? Because we're always going to read different bank statements and. And hospital reports. We're always gonna we're always gonna read different things, but those are gonna affect what we what we believe, right? There's always gonna be different uh, opinions. There's always gonna be different things we see. Who knows that we live in a time of place of today where all we hear is what other people are saying. Social media, the news, right? There's all these outlets of people telling you, hey, this is what you believe, right? This is what you believe. And if we are not able to catch that, and if we if we're not are intentional about what we believe, right, all we're going to do is just respond to what people are saying around us. And say, oh, hey, you know what, that is true. Oh, you know what, I, I, I read that hospital report. Maybe that is true about me. Or you know what, these, my, my parents, my friends, what they say, maybe that is true about me. But let me tell you something, we got to do what Caleb believed, and we, we got we to believe what God says about us. We got to believe what God says about us. Because what God is asking you tonight is he's saying, you know what, I know there's all these things around you. I know there's problems around you. But do you believe that I am capable, right? Do you believe that I can do what I say I can do? I know it doesn't look great, but do you believe that I am good, right? If there's a question God is asking you tonight, it's saying, hey, what do you believe? What do you believe? 
Amen. Are y'all are y'all getting to me tonight? I know I've kept on talking. See, because what you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. That's why it's so important to know what you believe, because whatever you choose to believe in determines how you behave. Those ten uh, other Israelite spies, right, they believed, right, that Canaan was too big. They were, they were unable to conquer. They believed that the giants were too tall, that the cities were too fortified. They believed that, so they behaved with fear, right? That's how they behaved. What, but how Joshua and Caleb, right, the other two people we're talking about, they believed that God was able, right, so they responded with faith. Why it's so important that we are intentional what we believe in and we know that, right, we just don't let things cast their opinions on us, but we believe in something that's stable, right, we believe in the Word of God. Why that is important, because what we believe determines how we behave. If you start looking into different areas of your life and say, hey, what do I believe about this? You know what, I hear that Dr. Port says this, but you know what, I believe God is a healer, right? You know what, you're going to behave like God is a healer. You say, you know what, I see my financial report, but you know what, I believe God is a provider. You know what, you're going to start behaving like God is a provider. You guys got to start checking, what do I believe? What do you believe? Because how you believe determines how you behave. You see, they were, it was the same situation for both those set of spies, but they believed two different things. And because they believe two different things, they behave two different ways. I'm trying to catch y'all because I'm trying to, I want us to look inwards tonight. I want us to look inwards tonight. What am I believing about these different situations? You see, because I want us to take a look, right, of how God is looking at the situation of the story that we just read, right? God is looking down at his chosen people. He's saying, well, hold up, I have this led you out of Egypt. I have this split the Red Sea for you. I have saved you over and over and over and over and over, and I've showed you over and over and over and over, and yet you still don't believe? Right? He said, I am the creator of heaven and earth. I know the number of hairs on your head. I can tell you what your future looks like, but yet you don't even believe that I can provide for you? Right? I, I'm the creator of everything around you, but you don't even believe that I can heal you? Right? we got to look at God's perspective on us. Right? So when we choose to believe, when we say, you know what, I'm going to believe that God is going to do what he says to do, that's when right, things start happening, right? That's when God starts, because God can move anything at any time. You see, what I think those Israelites did is that they got all in their fields, those ten other Israelites, spies, you know, when, they, when they went to camp. I think they got in their, all in their fields, right, because they looked around, and they saw giants. And they went up to the cities, and they saw how fortified they were. And they looked at all these intimidating things, and they say, you know what? This doesn't feel right, right? This doesn't look good. And they got all into their feels, and they let their feelings determine their faith. Let me tell you something else, church. Don't let your feelings determine your faith. Don't let your feelings determine your faith. Because if you just let what you feel, if you just let what you see, if you just let your emotions determine what you believe and what your faith looks like, you're always going to be up and down. You're always going to be up and down. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be so many times in your life where it's not going to feel right, it's not going to look right, it's not going to sound right, but because you feel something on the inside of you, that faith has to come in fruition. But if you just have your faith according to what you feel, you're never going to step out by faith, right? You're never going to take that step. 
And I believe that's what happened with those Israelites is that they saw all these giants, they saw these fortified cities, and they got caught up in their emotions. And so they said, you know what, this looks scary, this feels scary, so you know what, I'm just going to take a step back. I'm not going to believe that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. I know he defeated the Egyptians for us. I know he split the Red Sea, but man, this feels scary right now. And I think they got caught up in their feels, and they let their feelings determine their faith. They let their feelings determine their faith. But we need to stop letting our emotions dictate, right, whatever our response is. Who knows those emotional people? Are you one of those people? Those emotional people that it doesn't matter, like, whatever they feel is what they're going to say. You know those people? Like, there's no, like, you know already is that, uh, you know, they're either really high or really low. They're never in between. They're either, like, really happy or really sad. You know, whatever their day was like, whatever their emotions look like, that's what they're feeling like. That's what their attitude is like, right? But if we determine our faith by our emotions, we're never going to find stability in our life, right? We're never going to find stability in our life. So we need to stop let's being an emotional reaction, and we need to start responding to things. I think that's what Caleb and Joshua did, that they didn't just react, they responded. They didn't have an emotional reaction, but they said, you know what, I see what this looks like, but I'm not just going to react what I feel. I'm going to respond by faith. And they saw these huge giants. They saw these fortified cities, and they could have been, oh, no, this is big and huge. Instead of saying, you know what, I, these things are big and huge, but God is bigger. And they responded with faith, right? Don't let your feelings determine your faith. Don't let your feelings determine your faith because your faith is what activates your future. Your faith is what activates your future. You see, if you don't have the faith today, you're not going to activate tomorrow's future or tomorrow's promises, right? If you don't have that faith you need for today, your, your future that God wants for you is going to just keep on being longer and longer and longer because you choose not to have that faith today. So the why it's so important to know what you believe because what your faith is is what's going to activate your future. So what I want us to ask ourselves is what do I believe? I know what the world believes right? I know what my friends believe. I, I know what the bank statement, I know what the hospital says. I know what all these things say, but what do I believe, right? Because once we realize that what we believe, what I believe is what affects my future, then we'll show such intentionality that we need to have. So the next problem you see, the next, you know, obstacle we come to, instead of being so reactive to it, such of being whatever you're in your field, say, hey, you know what, I, I know this doesn't look good, but I'm going to respond by faith. I'm telling you, those, pro those big problems will begin to look small next to our God. Amen? 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 Your faith will never re return void. Your faith will never re return void. Y'all hear me tonight? So, as we move on and we look on to more scripture, I want us to turn to Numbers uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 32 through 33. Now, uh, these are two different perspectives or two different accounts of the same observation, right? So if you go to Numbers chapter 13, 32 through 33, it reads this. It says, this is perspective one. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. He said, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. That's perspective one. That's perspective one, guys. Remember, these, 
two different perspectives of the same problem. Now let's look at perspective two. Uh, this is Joshua and Caleb's account of the land. And it's Numbers chapter 14, 7 through 9. Numbers chapter 14, 7 through 9. This is what J Joshua and Caleb had to say. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Wow. What's so weird about that is that they are looking at the same exact problem, but this looking at it from their accounts, you would think they're two separate problems, right? You would think that they were, they were, they were dealing with two total set, two different uh, problems, but these are the same perspective of the same problem. So the second question we have to ask ourselves is, what, we, we talk about what do you believe, now what do you perceive? What do you perceive? You see, your perspective will either imprison or empower you. I'm saying again, your perspective will either imprison you or empower you. You see that those two sets of Israelites, right, the first perspective and the second perspective, they both went in, right? But because they held two different perspectives, one came out feeling empowered and the other felt imprisoned, right? Who knows those, those other ten Israelites, they came out of that situation all down and out and saying there's no way we can do this. But Joshua and Caleb came out of that situation and said, you know what, let's go right now. Let's not waste any time. We have God, you know, in front of us. God, lead us. Let's go right now. We can conquer them. What? The same problem but two totally different perspectives. See, maybe, maybe your lack of peace or your, or your lack of success has less to do what, with, with your problems and has more to do with your perspective of your problems. Because I believe that our perspective of things is a powerful, powerful thing. It's a powerful, powerful thing. See, Joshua and Caleb, right, they had the perspective, hey, we are the victors in this situation. But the other ten spies had the perspective, hey, we're the victim in this situation. Right? Those other ten spies walked into that land looking around, already having the perspective that the battle is lost. Right? The giants are too big. Right? The cities are too fortified. Right? All these things, right, it's too much for us. We're never going to win. This isn't going to happen. They came in with such a victim mentality that they never had a chance to ever be successful in whatever they were going to do. Right? But Caleb and Joshua, they stepped in, and they came in with a victor mentality. They said, hey, look, look at these big cities. But well, what an awesome victory it will be for God, right? I know this, but as long as we disobey God, as long as we stay in his will, right, these things will happen for us. Right? They had two totally different perspectives, and because of that, there's two different outcomes. So maybe with the right perspective of things, maybe your job isn't as bad as you think it is, right? Or maybe with the right perspective, you know, your wife, your husband, brother, sister, parents, whatever it is, maybe they're not as bad as you think you are. Maybe if you say, hey, you know what, I want to start looking at things, not being a victim, but being a victor, right? I want to stop looking at things, and instead of pointing out everything that's wrong, Instead of pointing out all the fears, instead of pointing out all the things that might go wrong, I'm going to step up and say, hey, look, God is good, right? Look at these things that he goes right. I know the situation doesn't look great, but my God is bigger, right? My God is better, right? Greater is he that is in me than who is in the world, right? Our perspectives is a powerful, powerful thing because what you perceive determines what you receive. 
What you perceive determines what you receive. What do I, what do I mean by that? What your perspective is of that situation determines what you receive from that situation. What those 10 Israelite spies didn't realize was that what that problem was actually their promise. But because they had the, come on, God, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Because they had the wrong perspective of their problem, they missed out on their promise. Right? They didn't have the, they looked at the, at the big giants, they looked at the land of Canaan, they looked at these huge fortified cities, and because they looked at it with the incorrect perspective, right, was actually their promise became their problem. What you perceive determines what you receive. Joshua and Caleb walked into that place, right, instead of saying, hey, this is a problem, they said, no, this is my promised land, right, this is the promises of God, and because they walked in with that perspective, they received that, right, and they received the promises of God like they needed to. I think there are some problems in your life. I think there are some things, some situations, some relationships that you view as a problem, but with the right perspective, it's actually a promise from God. I think there's some things in our lives, I really believe that our lives aren't as bad as we think they are, right? I, I really believe that we don't really have that many problems. I believe that if we had a different perspective of those problems, all of a sudden what we thought was terrible was actually a blessing from God, right? All of a sudden things that we thought these, these problems have become opportunities for God to manifest themselves. I'm telling you, what you perceive determines what you receive, what you perceive determines what you receive. I really believe that if we just walked into everyday life and said, you know what, I'm going to check my perspective of these things. Right? I'm not going to let the world dis you know, determine how I look at things. I'm going to look at the perspective through the lens of the word, through the lens of the Holy Spirit, through the lens of God. I'm telling you, all of a sudden your problems will start turning around just like that. Not because anything changed on the outside, right, but because something changed on the, on the inside. Right. We're looking on the inside tonight, guys. We're looking on the inside tonight. So let's go into more scripture. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. It reads this. It says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are, are only helpless prey to us. And I want you to catch this. They have no protection. They have no protect. What? What do you mean they have no protection? They have these huge fortified cities, but Caleb is saying that they have no protection? That doesn't make much sense, right? These, 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 these cities are fortified, right? They're at the top of the technological, right, standings, right? They're the most fortified cities on earth, but yet Caleb said they have no protection? Right? Because it says, the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. I believe he said that because he didn't see protection as walls around. I want you all to catch this. He did not see protection as walls around him. He saw protection as God in front of them. See, he didn't see protection, right, as walls built up, fortified. What he saw protection was that God's hand is over me. That was protection. He said, hey, look, I know these guys, they might have the most technological, advanced city you've ever seen, but they have no protection against our God. They might have everything, capable might have everything you could dream of, but they have no protection against the power of God. God is with us. They have no protection against that. 
He said, I know we're outmanned. Like they said, I know we're outgunned. I know they have all the resources. But guess what, right? They have no protection because God is with us. God is leading us. Let me tell you something, church, right? We said, again, greater he that's in us than he is in the world, right? So there's no situation, there's no problem that, that, that is too protected from you, right? If God is with you, right, there's nothing that God can't do through you. There's nothing God can, that cannot do through you. See, as long as God is with us, nothing can stand against us. So it's time for us, right, and this is what the point is. It's time for us to step out of what is safe and step into what is promised. It's time for us to step out of what is safe and step into what is promised. You see, those ten spies, right, they didn't want to step out of, their, of the safety of their camp, right, because they thought they would get hurt. Just like I didn't want to really tackle that big running back with all my force because I didn't want to get hurt. But I didn't realize this is what the Israelites realized was me avoiding that hit, right, hurt me even more, right? Me avoiding a tough situation, all that did was, was make that situation tougher. So we need to come out and say, you know what, I'm going to step out what is safe and I'm going to step into what is promised. Because who knows that our comfort zone is never going to be where our calling is at. Where we feel safe is never where God is calling us. Where, where, where we feel uh, comfortable, where, where, where we feel uh, safe is never where God has promised us to be. God is always calling us further. God is always calling us further with him. Kids, our victory, right, will always take place of our comfort zone. Why? Because outside of our comfort zone is when we feel vulnerable and weak. And what does scripture say? Where we are weak, he is strong. So for us to be placed in a vulnerable and weak position, we have to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone. And then that's how it works. Because God's miracles will never take place where it is safe. It won't happen. You know why? Because, you know, we feel strong where it's safe, right? We feel comfortable where it's safe. We don't feel vulnerable where it's safe. But once we choose, saying, you know what, God, I'm going to step out what is safe. I'm going to step into what you've promised me. All of a sudden, you're going to see God is going to be moving with you. And God is going to meet you there. Because he says, you know what, here's a situation where I'm going to get glory, right? Here's a situation where I know he's going to give me all praise. Because if our miracle happens in our comfort zone, we might be convinced that that was because of us. Or because of our works. Because of what we've done. But who knows that when we take that step of faith and we know, say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know you're going to provide. And when we do that, right, we have no choice but to acknowledge that he is God. We have no choice but to acknowledge he is our provider. Right? We have no choice but to acknowledge he is our healer because we took that step of faith and said, hey, God, this is out of my hands. This is in now your hands. And right when we did that, that's when God moves. That's when God moves. Because where we are vulnerable is always where the victory takes place. Where we're vulnerable is always where the victory takes place. So God is calling these Israelites to the land of Canaan, and he said, hey, look, I know it's outside your comfort zone. I know it's outside your safe zone, but, I, but I'm telling you, you've seen what I've done already. I've already conquered the Egyptians. I already split the, split the Red Sea. I'm telling you, if you step out of your safety zone and step into a promise, I will meet you there. And he's telling the Israelites that. But what, they, what did they do? They decided to play it safe. All right? They said, hey, no, you know what? If we go out, we'll get slaughtered. You know what? If we go out, we're not going to win. And they played it safe, and they missed out on their promise. See, the reason why 
we can't play it safe because if we play it safe, we will never require saving. You get what I'm saying? The reason why we can't play it safe because if we always play it safe, we will never require God to protect us. So that's what he meant. That's what Caleb meant when he said, hey, you know, they don't have protection. What he was saying is God's not with them. God's with us. So as long as we choose to step out, I'm telling you, God, he's all, his hand is always going to be over. So are you catching me tonight? As long as we choose to step out of what is safe and step out by faith into what God is promising us, right, God's protection is always going to be with us. But if we choose to stay in our comfort zone, all we're going to do is miss out on our calling. All we're going to do is miss out on our calling. Will you all step up? Are we all stand up with me tonight? Saying God wants to do something miraculous for you all tonight. We just got to trust him tonight. So as I, as I close, I want to close with this scripture. It's Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it reads this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. So we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. And this is the closing thought for tonight. We have the required power. We have the required permission. Now all we need to do is just participate. All we got to do is participate. We have God's power on the inside of us. We have God's permission already to move. All we now need to do is to participate in his, in his plan. Now all we need to do is take our part, play our part, do what we've been called to do. All we now need to do is just participate in this plan. So what I want to encourage y'all with tonight is that you have every tool. You have all the experience you need. You have every tool you need. You have every relationship you need. You have all the power you need. You have everything you need right now to step into what God's calling you to do. You have it, you have it all. You're anointed for it. You're called for it. Now, all we need to do tonight is we just need to choose to participate. You know what, God? I'm going to participate in your plan. You know what, God? I'm going to participate in your promise. You know what, God? I'm not going to choose the things around me. I'm going to choose you. Right? I'm not going to walk by fear. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to participate in your plan. I'm going to participate in your promise. What else I want us to do tonight, can we sing one song? I just want us to sing one song tonight, but I want us to cry out to God and say, Father, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines no, more, no longer. Say, Father, I'm no longer going to be held back by fear. I'm no longer going to be held back from what's inside me, from my perspective, from my mindset, from, from my beliefs. You know what, God? I'm going to start participating in your promise. I'm going to start believing in your power. I'm going to start believing that you are good. I'm going to start believing that you are my provider. I'm going to start believing more in the word of God and less in this world. I'm going to believe that you can do what you say you do. I'm going to believe that you're capable of what you're capable of. I want us just to sing one song tonight and cry out to God and say, God, from now on, I'm going to participate. I'm going to participate in your promise. Come on, let, let's sing that song tonight.
provider. You're our protector. We believe you are capable. We believe that you are who you say you are. Father, right now I speak by faith that dormant dreams are being activated tonight. Forgotten promises are being activated tonight. I thank you, Father, that we are, we are making things come back to life, God. Things back to life, Father, that we thought we were dead. But, Father, we thank you, God, that you are a God who brings things back to life, Father. So right now, God, we welcome in your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that we are choosing to participate, that we are choosing to participate in your plan, God. I thank you, Father, that if there's any healings, God, any financial requests, God, under the sound of my voice, that you are meeting them tonight, Father, that all unvoid promises, God, that any dormant dreams, Father, any things that we have given up, God, that you are activating them tonight, that you are storing up our faith tonight, Father, that we are no longer going to look around and walk by fear, but we're going to look inside and walk by faith and say, God, I trust you. I trust you are our provider. I trust you are good. I thank you, Father, that you are making things happen by your spirit, not by our strength, because where we are vulnerable is where the victory takes place. So, Father, I thank you right now that we are vulnerable for you. We are, we, we are so, God, we just want more of your presence, Father. We are hungry for you, God. We are desperate for you, Father. We just want more of your spirit, God. And we want things, we want to walk by faith, God. We want to participate in your plan. We want to believe in you. We want to have the perspective that you have, God. We want to step out of our safety zone. We want to step out of our comfort zone. And we want to step into what has been promised to us, Father. So I thank you, God, that it changes tonight. That we choose to participate tonight. That we choose to step out by faith tonight. That whatever we feel a pulling to, a leading to, whatever you feel, we're going to obey your voice. We're going to follow your, follow your lead. And we're going to step out by faith. And we know that you're going to provide for us. That you're going to provide for us. In the name of Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for doing everything you've done tonight. Thank you for your Holy Spirit being faithful. Thank you, God, for healing God, for providing God. I thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you sent your only son to die for us, God. You're faithful to us, God. You love us, Father. And for that, we don't take it lightly, God. Thank you, Father, that we are going to participate. We're going to participate. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap. Let's give him a hand clap. Before we move on tonight, let's, let's give somebody a chance to say yes to Jesus. Um, if you're in this place and say, Caleb, I've, I've heard everything you said tonight, but I want to take that first step. Then let's, as a church family, repeat after me. Say, Lord, I acknowledge that I need you. I acknowledge I am nothing without you. And I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again. So God, I confess you over my life. I confess you Lord over my life. I confess you provider over my life. In the name of Jesus, Everybody said amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap. Let's give people who said that first time a hand clap. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.